Connecting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana, and I want to talk to you about a very relevant subject today, which is what to do when you're an emotional wreck. All right? We all know that there are times when we feel that inner turbulence where we're upset, we're angry, frustrated, sad, scared, insecure, anxious, lonely, where it's sort of a mess on the inside right? Sometimes we joke, oh, I'm a hot mess, right? But it's quite normal, quite natural, quite human, in fact, to have frequent experiences where you're very emotional, where you're caught in something, you're triggered by something, you're an emotional wreck, right? So I just want to give you some real practical pointers on what to do when you're an emotional wreck. And and kind of frame it in a larger context of just what does it mean to be emotionally intelligent? What does it mean to um, be skillful in the issues of the heart? Right now, we don't have to become experts. We don't have to become Oprah. I mean, we don't have to, I mean, put whatever name or person you think is the most emotionally grounded person in the world. We don't have to become that. We just need to be smarter than a fifth grader when it comes to our emotional intelligence. Because really, this is, this is an issue that obviously the way we handle our emotions is a big factor in our own personal happiness, our own sense of sanity just for ourselves, right? Just to live a kind of a happy, fulfilled life. We, we have to know what to do with all the stuff that comes up on the inside, right? But we really need some emotional skills and some emotional intelligence when we start to think about having an intimate relationship or really any relationship with another human being, right? Because not only do do your emotions get mixed in there, but now it's their emotions, Right, And so we all have issues. We're all neurotic to one degree or another. Let's not act like we don't have any problems or any hang-ups, that we never get triggered. We, we never take things personally. We, we, we're never insecure. Oh, come on, you know, right? I mean, we're, we're all kind of a mess if we want to get really honest about it. So the issue of being emotionally intelligent is not getting to a place where you never feel emotional. I mean, that would be like being a cadaver, being dead. The real issue is, what do you do when you're human? What do you do when you're an emotional wreck? And so this issue, I feel, is so important in our desire to attract lasting love that it's one of the major topics I feature in my new book which is Relationship Boot Camp, Hardcore Training for Life, Love, and the Pursuit of Intimacy. And one of the areas that we need some hardcore training in is the areas of our emotions and what to do when we're an emotional wreck, right? So you know my book uses kind of a fitness metaphor and kind of applies it to our love lives, meaning if you want to have a healthy, sustainable, intimate relationship, It's not about finding the right person. It's about being the right person, meaning it's about getting yourself in relationship shape. And so in the book, I identify seven, quote, muscles, (laughs) relationship muscles that need to be strong if you're going to be able to create a healthy, sustainable connection with another human being. And one of those muscles is your relationship to your feelings. So it's central to our lives, to our own happiness, and also to our pursuit of intimacy. All right, so let's dive in here. And 
I just want to say on the outset, here's my goal with this, okay? This is a huge topic, uh, and I'm going to probably address the issues of emotions in a number of podcasts over time. Um, So I am not going to be able to say everything that needs to be said in just one podcast. It would last about 25 hours or something, okay? I mean, there are books and books and books written on emotions. So it's a... It's a very broad topic. We can take it from a lot of different angles. So what my goal here is, is I don't want to oversimplify things, but I also don't want to overcomplicate. What I want to try to do is take the issue of what do you do when you're an emotional wreck and package it to you in a way that you can kind of grab a hold of. I want to give you some hooks. I want to give you some basic categories and some basic ideas that you can easily kind of wrap your head around and kind of at least intellectually understand. And so that it's not overly complicated. Um, But I also don't want to make the mistake of simplifying this because this is not a simple topic. Okay. So at the end, you can let me know whether I've kind of hit the sweet spot between you know, not oversimplifying simplifying and not overcomplicating this because I'm hoping at the end of this, you feel like, all right, I got some basic tools here on how to handle this, how to handle my emotions. Now, of course, I, w- I want you to let you know up front that there's a good chance that you're going to want more than just this general discussion. You're going to want to talk about your emotions, your circumstances, your issues, and how some of the things I'm going to going to say apply to your life specifically. And be like, Roy, okay, I hear what you're saying about what it means to be emotionally intelligent, what it means to feel your feelings. I get that, but but what about my issue? What about given my circumstance? How how do I apply that paradigm? to my life situation. And so that's what I do as a coach. So I just want to encourage you to keep your mind open to the idea of following up after this podcast with me. And you can always find my information in my show notes or go to coachingwithroy.com. But be open to following up and taking this a little bit deeper because it really is, with, with without knowing how to handle what's going on inside of you, you'll never be a happy person and you'll never be in a healthy relationship. And most of us need help. I mean, a lot of my coaching that I did for two years with my coach was helping me get in touch with my emotions and learn how to express them in a healthy way, right? I was always good at expressing emotions, but not in a way that created harmony, usually just created drama and problems, right? So, I had to do a lot of work around this. I still feel like it's a weakness in my life. I'm much more of a doer and I want to get things done. I want to achieve. I want to task. I want a goal. I sometimes don't want to bother with feelings, right? So I still have to grow in this. Um, But I've made a huge amount of progress because I put into place in my life the things I'm going to share with you. All right. So having laid that groundwork, let me just start off by, let me just define, like, what do I mean by feelings? What do I mean by emotions? And actually, I mean all of them. I mean everything from, you know, feeling frustrated or tense or nervous or sad or lonely, disappointment anger, boredom, stress, even though stress really isn't a feeling, stress has feelings with it, overwhelm, Um, right? I mean, so in other words, I'm talking about any feeling you have. And there are hundreds of words in the English language to describe feelings and emotions. So I'm not going to be talking about, well, this is how you, what's what you do with certain emotions. No, this is everything from sexual emotions and feelings to feelings of grief, to feelings of rage, to feelings of 
depression, anxiety, worry, um, yeah, all that stuff. Okay, so so bring it all. They are, they're all real. They're all important feelings. They're all valuable. They're all part of the human experience. So when I talk about feelings, I'm talking about pretty much all of it. Now, I want to hang this talk, this podcast, around a metaphor. And we're going to come back to it over and over and over again. This is kind of a metaphor that my coach taught me, I don't know, 15 years ago or something. I don't know how, it was a long time ago where where she described this. And I just always thought it makes it so easy to understand and such a great kind of visual you can even have. And so the metaphor for feelings is that imagine that you or your life is like a house. Okay. You're, you're a house and you've got a front door and you got a back door. Okay. So stick with that. You're a house with a front door in a back door. When you are when you are dealing with your feelings in a mindful, conscious way, I'm going to cut right to the chase. What do you do when you're an emotional wreck? Well, it's like emotions come to your front door, right? Things happen. Shit happens. <laughs> People say things and do things. There are circumstances, conditions, right? You just open your eyes when you wake up in the morning and life comes rushing in. You might see your phone and it's a bunch of text messages. Things are blowing up at the office or, you know, your kid texted you something or, you know, you you wake up in the morning and life comes rushing in and then feelings start happening, okay? So it's like feelings come to your front door. Is the front door open, right? So... The mindful approach is to have your front door wide open all the time. It's never closed. In other words, feelings can always come in. I don't push them away. I don't lock them out. I don't ignore them. I don't act as if they're not there. I don't repress them. I don't try to distance myself from them. No, the front door to my house is open. Feelings are welcome here. Feelings come in. And they visit with me inside the house for a while. You know, we sit on the couch, we talk a little bit, we hang out, have a little coffee, have some tea. You know, we chit chat. We spend some time together. But if you're if you're handling your feelings, you know, in a in a really healthy way, the back door is open, and they leave pretty quickly, right? So when you're emotionally intelligent. It means you're living with both your front door and your back door wide open at all times. So feelings are allowed to come in. Hey, we visit for a while and out you go. <laughs> so they come in. I welcome them. I feel them. I experience them. Maybe I learn something from them and then I let them go. Now, that really is the essence of well, what do I do when I'm an emotional wreck? Well, you feel your feelings. That means I let them in, I feel them, but I also let them go. Okay, now, we're going to come back to that because that sounds really simple. That sounds, oh, Roy, you just oversimplified. Okay, okay, I, I grant you, it sounds simple. So we're going to break it down a little bit and go more deeply into, okay, what does that actually mean, Roy? Okay, that sounds good. The front door, the back door, they visit, you know, then, you know. We're going to break that down in a second. But I think it's really important that we talk about what you should not do when you're an emotional wreck. (laughs) Like, we should talk about, you know, what being emotionally unintelligent looks like. It's important, I think, to know what not to do with our feelings before we can have a real discussion about what should we do with them. Because then our mind expands and our, our, our awareness of what's going on. Very often, like some of you might know that I used to be a professional golfer. Technically, I still am. I don't play for a living anymore like I did in my 20s and 30s. But, you know, when you're working on your golf game, you, you take video of your swing. And what you're doing is you're, you're looking for like, what am I doing wrong? Right. The first thing you look at is, 
Where am I off plane? What, what am I doing wrong fundamentally? And when you can identify what you're doing wrong, well, then it's pretty easy to say, okay, you're doing that, but this is what you do want to do. So whether any kind of instruction, whether you're learning to play the piano or the guitar or anything else, a good instructor is going to point out kind of what you're doing wrong. You're, you're doing the fundamentals wrong, like you've got your fingers on the wrong place on the keyboard, you know, or you're not holding the guitar properly. So they're going to point out kind of where you're doing it wrong, which creates a space to say, well, this is how you should do it. So that's what I want to do here. Because there are two fundamental mistakes that we make when it comes to our feelings. And one of them has to do with the front door and one of them has to do with the back door. Okay? So these mistakes are either, first, we avoid the feeling. That's the front door. The front door's closed. We are avoiding them. I don't want to feel these. They're bad or they're wrong or they're uncomfortable, so I push them away. I repress them. I don't want to feel them. I don't want to let them in the house. I want to act as if they're not there. Or I want to go out the front door and punch them in the face and make them go away. Right? We can, we can view our feelings really as negative. Like, I don't want this. And so we have a resistance to what's showing up at the front door. And we, and so in one word, basically, we avoid. Now, in one of my chapters in my book, I actually list about 10 ways that we can avoid. Because avoiding is like a major category, right? So obviously, we can distract ourselves from our feelings. You can jump on Facebook, call a friend, you're feeling something. You, you don't, I don't want to feel this. I'm going to distract my, turn on the television, whatever it might be. We can medicate the feeling. Right? That's one of our most favorite ways. I'm going to drink something. I'm going to eat something. I'm going to go gamble. I'm going to go watch porn. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to sort of numb ourselves, you know, to what's, to what that uncomfortable feeling is. Right? We, um, we can vent to try to deal with the feelings. We can blame and point the finger. We can, we can analyze, try to figure out, okay, what's, why do I feel this way? Were my diapers too tight when I was three, year old, three years old? And, you know, you can overanalyze. You can, you can apologize for your feelings. That's another way of avoiding them. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I got angry. Or I'm sorry. I'm, I'm such a mess right now. You know, we can really apologize for simply being a human. And perhaps that can be tied to you grew up in an environment where, Certain feelings were not allowed. Maybe you even got punished for having certain feelings. And so you kind of have it in your DNA that I can't feel that way. Nobody can handle when I feel this way. So you begin to apologize um, and, and, and just make excuses or something for your feelings. We can spiritualize our feelings, you know, oh, well, you know, but I, God's in control. So even though my child you know, got killed by a DUI driver, uh, you know, God's in control. Right now, there's some truth in that, maybe in a weird way, but you see how that's a way of just spiritualizing something to avoid a feeling, right? And then sometimes to avoid a feeling, we just act out, right? What is road rage? Well, a person doesn't know what to do with their feelings of anger or feeling like they've been taken advantage of or something, so they act out. That's one of our favorite ways of dealing with our feelings. And we're, but we're not really feeling the feeling when we're just acting out and getting revenge or giving somebody a piece of our mind or something, right? So avoiding our feelings is, is the first mistake we make, okay? The second mistake is we attach to our feelings. Now, that means the back door is closed. Right, so the first mistake we make is our front door is bolted shut. You're not getting in. <laughs> I do not want you in here. You are not welcome in here. Go away. You know, it's just like you ever do this on Halloween where you don't you don't have any candy, and so you turn the light off at the front door. You lock the door. You turn the lights off in the house, so none of the kids know you're home. Right? That's kind of how we can deal with our feelings. We just shut everything down, 
act as if we're not home. And so maybe they'll just go to the next house and they won't, you know, bomb us with eggs or whatever people do when it's trick or treat, right? So we avoid by closing the front door. But many of us, and this one isn't talked about very much, many of us, we don't really have a problem with avoiding. We got a problem with attaching. Like we get a feeling and we can't let it go. Like it comes in and the back door is shut and it can't get out. We get a feeling and it stays in us and it circulates and it never goes away. It's like the crazy uncle that comes over for Thanksgiving and never leaves. It's just the craziness is in you, the the anger, the frustration, the loneliness, the boredom. It's, we just feel like we're kind of caught in this vortex of energy that we simply can't let go of, right? So it's like it's trapped in us. How many of you listening can relate to that? So these are the two big mistakes we make. We either close the front door and we avoid or we close the back door and things come in and we never let them go and they just stay and they torment us. Now, I think all of us can do both of these, right? I can certainly do both of them. But which one, let's be honest right now, just for yourself, you're just listening to this all by yourself. Which one is your bugaboo? Which one do you do? Are, are you more of an avoider or are you more of an attacher? Believe it or not, a lot of people would think I'm an avoider because I sound like I'm very rational and, you know, that I, I, I kind of put off this energy that, you know, I've got it all together. I'm really good at presenting a false image, <laughs> but I'm an attacher. <laughs> when something happens, disappointment, discouragement, failure, man, I have a hard time letting go of that stuff. If I feel slighted by someone, if I feel that they're taking advantage of me, man, I can hold a grudge. I think that was something in my family. My parents were great at holding a grudge. And I think that I've absorbed that and, I, and I'm not a victim. They didn't give it to me. I've just, I've, I've been committed to being attached to my feelings. So where do you fall on that? Okay, now, I want to describe a little bit of the effects of each one of these because in a weird way, unless we see how damaging our current strategy is for dealing with our emotions, like everybody's got a strategy for your emotions, right? When we say what to do when you're an emotional wreck, you are doing something. You have a strategy. It might not be the healthiest one. It might not be the most conscious one. It might not be the one that really works, but you're doing something. You do have a strategy and that strategy is either you're avoiding or you're attaching. Okay. And so before we can sort of convince ourselves to try a new way, because it will feel like you're learning a foreign language, it will be at first really difficult and awkward, right? We've been spending our lives mastering the art of avoiding feelings, right? I mean, some of us can distract ourselves and medicate our feelings and, you know, repress them with the best of them. Like we're a genius at that. And some of us have spent a whole life mastering the technique of I'm attached to my feelings and I never let anything go and I never forget and I hold grudges and resentments and, you know, and all that stuff stays stuck in me forever. So we're, we're very good at those things. So to be convinced to open up to a new way, you, you sometimes got to be really convinced that your way is killing you. It's sort of like, I remember my parents were big smokers, you know, and they'd go to the doctor and then they had the doctors would tell them to quit smoking. That didn't work. You know, then they had heart attacks. They had bypass surgeries, you know, the triple and the quadruple bypass surgeries and stuff. And for a lot of people, those kinds of big moments kind of wake you up. Oh, I've got to make a change because my lifestyle's killing, killing me. Now, my parents were so hard-headed that they didn't quit smoking and they both died in their early 70s from issues, complications from smoking. But a lot of people 
have to have have to really recognize the damage that's being done before they make a change. Okay, fine. So let me let me just talk about some of the effects that happen when you avoid your feelings. Let's start with the avoiders first, okay? They're all A words. The first thing that happens is it really impacts your aliveness or your authenticity. Right? I mean, so when you're avoiding feelings, you're faking it. Right? You're you're not in authenticity. You're acting as if nothing's bothering you, that you're that you don't feel what you feel. And so you're you're slipping into an inauthentic life. Right? And it's going to affect your level of aliveness. Like when you repress stuff, it's like twisting the hose, you know, that you have on the side of your house. The water doesn't flow. Your flow, your life force, your aliveness doesn't flow when you're avoiding your feelings. And then you show up in the world and people, they don't feel you as authentic because you basically are cutting off your reality. And we all know that one of the most you know, attractive things that you can do in the world in terms of attracting a partner is to be authentic, to be real, to be vulnerable, right? To be transparent. And people can sense when you're sort of half a human or when you're repressing things that, that you'll feel a little... Um, wooden, you'll feel a little robotic, you'll feel a little matter of fact, and people won't know exactly what you're doing, but they're going to feel like something's off there. I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm getting the person's heart. I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm getting the real them. So, you know, and that's what happens to you when you avoid your feelings. You cut off the flow of your life force and you're felt as a kind of inauthentic person. So that just sabotages you in your pursuit of intimacy. The second A, the second thing that happens when you're avoiding is that it leads to addiction, right? You do know, right, that all addictions are coping mechanisms because of feelings are being avoided. Whether it's addiction to alcohol, drugs, shopping, gambling, porn, doesn't matter what kind of addiction, whether it's a chemical addiction or a non-chemical addiction. I wrote a book on love addiction. I was a love addict. My love addiction, my seeking the attention and the affection of a beautiful woman was covering up all the feelings of sadness and loneliness that I had inside of me. And I felt like if I can get a drink with legs, that's the name of my first book. It's a metaphor for seeing a woman like like I'm an alcoholic, but my drink is women. There's a drink with legs. If I could get a woman, it would medicate or somehow compensate for those feelings that I didn't know what to do with. I didn't know how to handle my feelings of being undesirable or feeling that way, feeling unattractive, feeling unwanted. So I got into this addiction with women. So all addiction is like that. And so if you're avoiding a feelings, you're one of the ways you avoid them is by numbing them, medicating them. And you are, you are going to develop an addiction. In fact, <laughs> if I should say this, you're going to see my weird sense of humor. Sometimes when I'm around people um, that I don't know very well, and I just, I don't like small talk. I mean, I, I like to get into deeper conversations you know, look at what I'm doing here, right? Um, I'll just ask people, so what are you addicted to? <laughs> I'm assuming you're addicted to something because I know human nature. I know that most of us avoid our feelings and we need something to numb them out to sort of help us ignore them and repress them. And we get addicted, whether it's to our phones and social media or whether it's alcohol or something chemical like that, Okay. So when you avoid your feeling, not only are you going to cut off your aliveness and feel inauthentic, you're liable to become addicted to something. The third thing, the A word, is avalanche. Like when you avoid these feelings, they don't go away. They start to pile up on one another. 
and it's like snow on a mountaintop. It's snowing. The temperature never allows the snow to melt. The snow builds up, builds up, builds up, builds up. And then something really tiny happens and down the mountain it comes. (laughs) Right? That's what it's like when we avoid our feelings. When we avoid them, when the front door is closed, they don't leave. They camp out right there on your doorstep. You keep avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. Pretty soon you got a whole city of people sitting outside your front door. And they're banging on that front door. And something's going to happen. The door's going to open. And they're all going to come rushing in. And it's going to be a mess. The, the volcano is going to explode. You're going to explode. So avoiders almost always, and sometimes it depends on how strong your willpower is, but at some point you're going to blow up on somebody. You're going to go off and it's going to be ugly. It's not going to be productive. You're going to regret it. How many people end up in court standing before a judge saying, I don't know what happened. I just lost it. I just, I don't know. It wasn't me. I just exploded right in road rage or in something else, some sort of fight with a neighbor or something, right? It's because they had all this stuff building up inside and then somebody did a little light, the little match and the whole forest went up in flames. Okay. So that's what you have in store for you. If you continue to want to avoid, okay, (laughs) no shame, but I just want to let you know that that's what avoiding is doing to you. It's cutting off your aliveness, making you feel inauthentic. It's going to lead to addiction and it's going to be an avalanche of trouble somewhere down the road. Now, What about those of us who are more of the attachment style? We can't let anything go. Everything comes in the front door. We're pretty good at that, but we never let anything go. Everything stays trapped in us. Well, three things happen, and they're all D words. First one is drama. (laughs) Well, all these feelings inside of you, you're in drama. You know you can be in drama without anybody else involved, right? I mean... Somebody said something to you like three weeks ago and you're driving down the road and you're in your head going, I can't believe they said that to me. Well, how dare they say that to me? That's ridiculous. That's just not fair. What a jackass that, right? They're not there. It was three weeks ago, but you're in drama. It's still stuck in you. You haven't let go of that conversation. It's still swirling around in there and obsessive thinking and And your body has reactions, your adrenaline pumps, right? I mean, your whole system gets affected by this. So the first thing is, is when you attach to feelings, you live in almost a constant state of drama and feeling a kind of sense of a threat, kind of an anger towards the world or a disappointment with the world or a fear that something bad's going to happen, right? All, because all that stuff is you have never let something from your past go, whether it was three days ago or three years ago or 30 years ago, right? So there's this ongoing drama inside of you that might make it difficult to sleep. It might make it difficult to just have a quiet moment of happiness because that voice in your head is continuing to remind you of what they did to you and how unfair life is and all, all that stuff, right? So can anybody relate to this kind of inner experience of drama because you're attached to things and can't let it go? The second thing is you will experience disconnection. Like who wants to be around a drama queen? Like who wants to be around someone that can't let anything go? that holds on to grudges, that is just always, you know, whining and complaining and, ah, I hate that person, you know, like, well, back in college, they told me my hair was too short and I've just never forgiven them for that, right? So when we're attached to feelings, and I don't want to oversimplify things, but when we're attached to our feelings and they're alive in us, we can't let them go, it's not like we really keep them private to ourselves, they spill out a little bit on people around us. They come out through our, just our demeanor, our aura, our energy, and sometimes our words. And, and you're going to end up 
creating isolation for yourself. Say, now let's not call Susie, invite her to come. And she's got a lot of negative energy in her. She's always kind of in a bad mood and complaining about what some guy did. Right? So now you get left off the invitation list. Happens the same way with guys. That guy's just always, he's so moody. He's so, you know, always talking about who he's going to try to get back. And he's just, you know, in other words, who wants to hang out with Debbie Downer or Dan Downer, right? So you end up, when you're attached to all your feelings, you can't let him go, you not only experience drama on the inside, but on the outside, you experience disconnection because nobody wants to be be your friend and be, be around you because of all that yucky stuff that's there. And then the last thing is it affects your decisions, right? When you're, when you're in the vortex and you're attached to these feelings and they're stirring around and you're, you know, you're all wrapped up in them. Man, we can make lousy decisions like a road rage, but that's an extreme thing. You know, we might need all the time with my clients. I talk to someone who they know they need to have a conversation with their boss or with their parent, mother, or with a child or with their boyfriend or girlfriend or they know that they need something's going on in that relationship that needs to be addressed. And, but I often tell my clients, you're not ready to have that conversation because all you're going to do is blame them and go off on them and rip them a new one. And I'm telling you, that's not going to help anything. It might make you feel better for about 10 seconds, but then it's just going to, you're going to leave a path of destruction. So the first thing you need to do is sort of release the feelings sort of come to a grounded place, kind of get your head on straight. And then you can see clearly about the issue and maybe address it in a productive, non-attacking, non-defensive kind of way, right? It's a little bit like, I share this illustration sometimes with my clients. Just imagine that you were in a a private session with me and we happen to be doing it in person, which is rare. I have clients all over the world, but we're in person. And so I just stand you up and I kind of bend you over a little bit and I spin you around in circles, just spin you around to, to, to the point where you're really, really, really dizzy. Okay. And then I stand you up and I've got to hold you by the arm because you're about ready to fall over. But right in that moment, I say, okay, now in your head, tell me what is 342 times seven? (laughs) What would you say to me? You'd be like, God, I can't think right now. I can barely stand up. I'm all dizzy. I'm confused. I'm all, I'm out of sorts. I'm out of whack. Give me a second to get my balance. Let me get my bearings. Let me calm down here for a minute. And then I can think. Then I can be in my head and I can figure out your math problem. Well, that's exactly what happens when we're an emotional wreck and we're attached to our feelings and we're dizzy in them. And in that state, we try to make decisions. We try to figure out what to do. We try to decide how we're going to handle something while we're that dizzy. So obviously the thing to do is get your balance, get your bearings, come to presence. And then you can think clearly and make a decision that's going to be more productive. So there you go. There's the downside of attaching to your feelings. And let me know. Let me tell you, I can relate to them. You live in a state of drama. You push away people because you're just a drama queen, Debbie Downer, Dan Downer, and you make lousy decisions and usually make things worse because you can't let go of all that stuff. All right. So. That's what's wrong with your golf swing. (laughs) That's what you're doing wrong with your emotions. Um, I don't say wrong in terms of like you're wrong or it's shameful. It's just, these are the human ways. It's like the conventional way of dealing with feelings. If you went on the street and you just asked normal people who have no interest in mindful living, conscious living, you know, quality psychology, right? They're just going to say, yeah, yeah, you avoid your feelings or you attach to your feelings. And that's just the conventional wisdom. 
but there are so many downsides to it. And we just dis- dis- discussed those things. So now we created the space where we can go into, okay, what do I do when I'm an emotional wreck? So if you're an avoider, what you do is just in two words, be with. If you tend to avoid your feelings, what you need to do is the opposite. Be with them. We'll talk about what that means. If you're an attacher, you hold on to everything, then you need two words, let go. Now, of course, both of us get into both of these things. So we all have to learn how to be with, open the front door is what I'm saying. If you're an avoider, you have to start really wondering what would it look like for me to open the front door of my life? And let life come in. Let the feelings come in. They're there. They're stacking up on the front steps. Let them in. It takes too much energy to keep everything out. So if you're an avoider, your question is like, okay, how do I, how do I be with these things? How do I let them in? And if you're an attacher, you say, how do I open the back door? How do I process these things and let them go? So that I just don't keep reminding myself and reminiscing and remembering and rehashing. And you know how you can have conversations in your head, you know, with someone about something that happened years ago or days ago, right? So you have to decide which door do you have trouble with. And then if you're an attacher, you say, what does it mean in practical terms to open the back door? How do I let go? Okay. Both of those put together, opening the front door, opening the back door, being with your feelings, and then letting them go, that's what it means to be emotionally intelligent. That's what you do when you're an emotional wreck. You let the feelings come in and you feel them. You actually experience what might be very uncomfortable feelings. So if you're experiencing loneliness, you don't immediately pick up the phone and go through Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. That would be avoiding that. You're feeling lonely. What you do is you say, okay, I want to open the door. Let the feeling come in. I'm going to sit here. Come visit me. Sit down next to me. I'm going to feel lonely. I'm actually going to feel lonely. Where is it in my body? What is it doing? How is it affecting my breath? What sensations does it give me? What thoughts does it give rise to? You're actually, it's like inviting a friend in. A friend comes to your front door, knocks on your front door. You, you look through the peephole. Oh, it's Joe or it's, it's Judy. Come on in. You're my friend. Welcome. Well, sit down, sit down, sit down. Sit. So what's up? What are you here for? What's going on? Tell me about yourself, right? So you're curious, about your friend. You want to know what's going on. You're welcoming them. You you want to learn. You're, you want to be present with them. You want to hear, right? It, it's the same thing when anger comes in or loneliness or boredom comes to your front door. Oh, come on in. Oh, I love boredom. Sit down with me. What's going on? Tell me about yourself. What do you feel like? Where are you in my body? Right? So, You're just feeling the feeling. I'm telling you, that's what it means to be with. You're just feeling it. You're you're being with it. And so, then you, you can feel it and be with it, and then you can let it go. Because it's like, if you don't get the wisdom that the feeling came to you to deliver, It's like the feeling feels like it hasn't been honored and it won't leave. It's like the feeling has something to say to you. It's got something to show you. It's got maybe something to teach you. And and the feeling, it's like it has this mind of its own. It's like, you you better honor me. You're going to let me in here and I have something to say. And if you won't let me say it, if you won't listen to me, if you won't be with me and pay attention and honor me and welcome me, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay in here and I'm going to make your life a mess. (laughs) Trust me from personal experience, right? So one of the ways you let feelings go is you get all the learnings that they were there to give you. 
They wake you up to how you're responsible for something. They might show you how your thinking patterns are creating a lot of your emotions, right? There's something to really learn from your emotional experience. And if you will just be with it and listen and be present and welcome it all, I'm going to talk more about this in a minute. The feeling is sort of like, all right, I feel like you've heard me. My purpose here is done. See you later. Out the back door they go. But if you ignore them and you repress them, you don't want to hear, you don't want to listen, you don't want to make any changes that you know you need to make, that that feeling is telling you, you need to do something. You need to take action in some way. A lot of times anger means something needs to be stopped here. A boundary needs to be set. And if you don't set it, that anger is going to stay in you. But if you listen to it and you say, okay, you're my mentor, you're my guide. My anger is here to say, I need to make a change in my life that will be something that will serve me and everyone else better here. I'm going to address it. The feeling says, thank you. That's what I came here for. Now my purpose is done. See you later. And it moves through. And, the, and you don't stay angry because you've used the anger to make a change. You've made the change. The anger has no purpose anymore. It's gone. Okay? So that's what it means to feel your feelings. Both the front door and the back door are open. Okay? Now, I want to go very briefly here. And I want to say, I want to go, okay, how do you do that, though? Like, okay, I get the front door. I get the back door. But, but Roy, the, the feeling, the feeling part. Can you break that down a little bit? <laughs> Can you give me some tools as to what that means? It's a little mystical. It's a little, oh, feel your feelings. You know, it's a little esoteric. It's a little like, what is that? Mysterious, right? So let me break this down. What does it mean to feel a feeling? There are three words I want to give you. They're all W words. They all begin with the word W. So maybe that the alliteration makes it easier for you to remember. Okay, that's what I'm hoping. Um, by the way, this might be a podcast you need to listen to a couple times to kind of, because this is such a deep topic. But the three doubles use, the how you feel a feeling is first, W is welcome. We talked a lot about this. Your orientation toward your experiences, you're welcome here. Come on in. Right? It's like, how do you feel about your feelings? <laughs> it's kind of weird, right? I have these feelings. I have these emotions. Yeah. How do you feel about those feelings? Are they okay? Is it okay that you feel that way? Is it welcomed? Can you embrace them? Can you invite them in? Or are you resist- resisting them or repressing them or pushing them away or analyzing them or venting or apologizing for them or medicating them, you know? So how do you feel about your feelings? In other words, what is your orientation toward your own experience? If someone says to you, so Roy, how you doing today? And if I was honest, I would say, you know, my stomach is in knots. I'm really nervous about X, Y, or Z, and I'm having thoughts and I'm going to fail and it's not going to work very good. And I really need someone to help me figure out how to, how to handle this situation. Then they might say, okay, good. That's how you're feeling. You gave me a real picture of your experience, right? What's happening in your body? What's happening with your emotion? I was anxious, right? The body, my stomach was in knots. The emotion was anger. My thoughts are, I'm going to fail at this. I don't know what to do and what I'm wanting is someone to kind of give me some advice, okay? That's my experience. The person could say, well, Roy, then how do you feel about that, about that entire thing? Is it okay that you feel that way? Or do you judge it? Do you want to resist all of it? Do you wish it would go away? Or are you welcoming? Yeah, that's my experience. It's wonderful. That's what's here now. Well, I'm not going to lock you out. You're here. You're welcome, right? So that's the first thing. What it means to feel your feelings is, first of all, what is your orientation toward the feeling itself? And really, most of us can't stand feelings. 
we don't want to feel angry or sad or scared or tense or lonely or anxiety or oh, I don't want to feel any of that stuff. So then we, we do our thing. We avoid or we attach or we medicate or we do whatever. That's the first thing. Welcome. The second thing, sort of connected to it, the W is witness. And I almost described that. I got ahead of myself a little bit. You, you witness or you watch. So again, the friend comes in, sits down next to you in your house. So you're welcoming them in and then you turn your attention to your friend. Okay, what's up? What are you here for? What's going on? Tell me what's happening. So you're watching, you're putting your attention on the feeling. You're giving it space, right? You're, you're giving it room to sort of be in your body or in your awareness. You're, you're allowing it to flow in you. You're allowing it to affect your breath. You're allowing it to affect muscle tension. You're perhaps giving, you're voicing the feeling, right? One of the ways you can kind of witness and be with and watch your feeling is let it use your sound. When you say, you know, tell me about yourself, it might come out as, or come out as tears, right? So you sometimes allow the feeling to come through sound. Sometimes you allow the feeling to be welcomed and witnessed via moving your body, kind of letting it move you a little bit. It's it's just a way of, of honoring the feeling, okay? So witnessing is a key part. And, and that's what I was talking about when I said, I'm, I'm noticing my stomach is tight or my chest is tight or my breath is very shallow. So part of witnessing is what are the body sensations that are associated with the feeling? Is my neck tight? Is my jaw tight? Is my throat kind of closing up? Is my stomach in knots, right? What's the body sensation? And then you can verbalize, what's the emotion? I feel disappointment. I feel sad. I feel scared. I feel angry. I feel lonely, Right? That's witnessing. You're, 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 you're giving it a label. You're, you're, you're at least naming it to honor that it, it's real and you're having a real feeling. So you're noticing where it is in your body and you're, you're, saying, you're saying its name. It's like a friend comes in the front door and you don't say, what's up? You say, Susie, what's happening? Right? You, you, you know the name and it's part of the welcoming of it. Right? So you're feeling it in your body sensations. You're giving it an emotional name and then you're noticing what kind of thoughts do you have about all of you're witnessing your thoughts and the stories you're telling about what it means and where it came from. And your, your mind is going to always be talking to you about the emotion. Oh, this is why you're feeling this way. It's because that person said this to you and that person said that to you. It's just like if a friend was sitting next to you, you invite him in the front door, what's going on? They're going to start telling you their stories about why they feel the way they do. And you're listening. You're witnessing. You're saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm noticing I have these body sensations. I'm noticing all these emotions. And I'm noticing all these thoughts. You might even notice something that you want. I want to take revenge or I, I want help or I want someone to understand. But that's what it means to witness. You're like being a really good friend to your feeling and you're really trying to get them. I'm really trying to understand you, which means I want to know what's happening in the body, in the mind, the emotions, what you, you know, right? So you're really treating your emotion like you would treat a really good friend. It literally is the same thing, right? Friend comes to your front door, come on in. You call them by name, what's going on? You listen, you witness, you watch, you pay attention, right? So welcome. Witness, the last one, is wonder. Now, this is last for a reason. Many people try to figure out what the feelings mean before they actually feel them and welcome them and witness them as how they're showing up in their bodies. They go right to their head. That's a mistake. Even when I say wonder here, I'm not talking about figuring something out. You know, like going into your psychoanalytic mind of like, yeah, my diapers were too tight and my parents did this when I was six and now that's why I'm lonely today or something. No, 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 no. It's, it's more of a wonder of 
what are you here currently to call my attention to? What are you about? What's the root of this? So you're bringing a sense of curiosity to the feeling once you are feeling it. Once you are welcoming it and witnessing it, then you're like bringing a curiosity, a sense of wonder. And you're, you might be wondering, is this feeling coming here because I've been wanting approval and I'm not getting it? Is that why I'm upset? Or if I've been wanting security, I want to feel safe. And right now there's something happening in life where I don't feel safe. So my security needs are threatened or triggered. Am I wanting control? Am I wanting life to be a certain way, people to be a certain way? And that's why I'm having this emotional experience because I'm wanting control and I don't have it. Or am I wanting connection? Am I wanting to belong? Am I wanting to be a part of? Am I wanting to be one? And I'm upset because I feel disconnected or isolated or alone. See, what I've just described to you are the core wants of every person's ego. Every person on the planet Earth that's lived before or even later has got some core basic wants. These wants are not bad. They're not wrong. They're just the human wants of the ego. We want approval, security, control, and connection or oneness. That's just what we want. It's just what the ego sort of feels it needs to survive. Okay, We want to feel approved of. We want to feel safe. We want to feel like with some sort of control. We want to feel like we're connected. We're one. And a lot of our emotions come up when we feel like we're not getting what we want. You're not approving of me because you criticized me. And your your anger and upset about the criticism, once you feel it and you welcome that and you witness it in your body, you can say, hmm, I think I was wanting their approval and I didn't get it. Hmm. I wonder how to handle that. I wonder... Could I let them off the hook and approve of myself? Right? So you, what you're going to find is when you are an emotional wreck, let me see if I can nut this out. I don't want to get overcomplicated. Again, I'm trying to, I'm the sweet spot between being too simple and too complicated. <laughs> right? When you're an emotional wreck, it's because you're not getting one of your core wants and you're upset because of it. We feel like the world owes us approval, security, control, or oneness. We feel like people owe it to us. Life owes it to us. Circumstance owes it to us. God owes it to us. We feel like we deserve these and they're owed to us. And when I don't get it, when you're withholding approval, when, you're, when I don't feel like I have control, by the way, you don't, but when... When I don't feel safe, when I don't feel secure, when I feel unstable, when I feel insecure, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become an emotional wreck and, and I'm going to have all these emotions because I'm not getting from you or from life what I need. And if I feel separate and isolated and alone, um, we, a lot of our emotions come from that. Do you follow me? So when you're in the third phase, you welcome, you witness, and then you wonder, one thing you're going to wonder about, okay... This emotion I'm having, I'm a wreck right now. Um, is this because I'm wanting approval, security, control, or oneness? Now, the trick with all that is not to try harder to get those things from whatever source you're looking to give them to, from a person, from a circumstance, from some sort of condition in life. No. The trick is to how can I recognize I already have them? How can I recognize that I am approved of and I, I am approval? How can I recognize that no matter what happens in life, I'm safe? I'm secure. Remember David's perspective? Psalm, was it 23? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Right? So he was walking through the, the valley of the shadow of death, and yet he felt secure. Because he wasn't sourcing his security from life. 
it was coming from within him and his understanding of God in that context. Okay, So all of those core wants are wants that you can source from within yourself. And that's sometimes what your emotions are there to teach you. That you're looking for approval, which is okay. You want to feel approval, but you're looking at you're looking for it in the wrong place. You're not going to get it from there, not consistently. Oh, I know you want it. I want control. I know you want the life to be a certain way, but it's never going to be the way you want it. Life doesn't stop and ask you how it's supposed to be. It's been unfolding for fourteen point five billion years. <laughs> you're going to be here for eighty years. Life doesn't care what you want. Life is unfolding. People do what they do. They've been raised in certain ways. They've had certain experiences. And then they show up in front of you and they play out their karma. They play out their patterns. And and all of life, you don't have any control over that. But if you're wanting to control that, that's what's going to make you feel so much anxiety and so much fear and so much worry because you sense, oh, I want control, but I don't have it. So, those emotions can be showing up and teaching you, oh my God, I am looking outside of myself for approval, security, control, or oneness. Those emotions can point you towards, yeah, you do need those things. You already have them. Look inside, look inside, look inside. Again, I hate to say it, Jesus had a lot of really great things to say about life, right? I'm not into all that stuff, but he said, if you kind of knew what I'm talking about, you would recognize there are rivers of living water flowing from your innermost being. What he's saying is you are so filled up. You aren't thirsty for anything. You're not lacking anything. If you if you just look inside, you're filled with approval, security, love, oneness, and you're filled with the, with the things that you can control and the rest of it's being controlled and it's none of your business. These are the things that you can wonder about when you have an emotion. What are you here to teach me? Oh yeah, you're seeking approval from places. Uh, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. <laughs> that might be what your emotions are there to sort of wake you up to. Follow me? So, Emotions have a ton of wisdom and you've got to bring wonder to them. All right. So how, how was that? I would love to get an email from you. Let me know. Was that too complicated? Was that too simplified? Let me just summarize it here. Okay. We make two mistakes with our feelings. We either avoid them or we get overly attached to them. What we need to work on is either being with our feelings instead of avoiding them or letting them go, which is what we need to do if we're attached to them. But all of it summarizes in feeling the feeling, the house metaphor. You're the house. Is my front door open to where these things are welcome? They come in. I witness them. I watch them. I'm being with them. I'm welcoming them. And I'm wondering what they're here to teach me. What is the wisdom being brought from my emotions? Are they here to teach me that I need to make a change? Are they here to show me that I'm looking for approval, security, control, or oneness from places and people and things that just don't have it? And are they here to teach me to look inside for them, to source them from within? Okay? So how do you feel a feeling? You welcome it, you witness it, you wonder about it. That's what it means to be smarter than a fifth grader when it comes to emotional intelligence. Now again, follow up with me. You probably have questions. Yeah, Roy, but what about my situation, right? So I'm here for that, really. You can find my information on the show notes. You go to coachingwithroy.com. I offer free complimentary session to explore these things, to talk about what's happening. Perhaps we can discuss my coaching program if you're open to it, no pressure, right? But if you want to be, you know, a happy, well-adjusted person and then you want to create a healthy, sustainable, intimate relationship, well, that comes from having your emotional muscle 
very strong. And so I hope that I have given you some good stuff to to chew on and maybe giving you some inspiration to go deeper with this. And I'm here to help you if you if you want that. All right. Well, as always, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. And we will see you next week for another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.